Welcome once again to Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. It's Saturday. Thank you for tuning in. Do going live, which I rarely do, um, but this one was so important. I wanted to do it live so that if anybody is uh, you know, watching live and wants to ask comments, feel free to. Today, I am joined by a field journalist for Tenant Media, Taylor Hansen, who has recently discovered, thanks to a whistleblower, that he has been being surveilled for many years by our government. Hmm. Interesting. Patriot Act has officially come home. Without further ado, uh, where is he at? There we go. Mr. Hanson, what's up, brother? Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. Uh, all right. So for those that aren't familiar, uh, I mean, this you just you just found this out, what, yesterday or two days ago? Uh, yeah, this was so I found out about a week ago and we were just working to get the actual internal document. And then I received the internal document two days ago and I was trying to figure out how to release it to uh you know, try and try and quell the any uh, legal repercussions that were going to come out. But at that point, I just decided, OK, we're just going to release it. Yeah. Well, um, so for my audience, it's totally in the dark on on what we're talking about here. Uh, what did the document display? So it is an internal mission statement from the federal air marshals and uh, DHS, essentially. And it displayed that on 18 flights, I was surveilled. Two of those flights were canceled. Uh, this was from 2021 to 2022. And essentially saying that they spent over $100,000 following me throughout the airport with three federal air marshals at one time. So between 16 flights, I had 48 air marshals following me throughout the airport and monitoring, tracking basically every single step, every text I sent, every single person I talked to, every time I used the lavatory. They were tracking me, you know, from the beginning of the airport process to the very end of the airport process. And and why? And this is all because of your reporting on J6, that's it? Yeah, you know, that's what they, they say it is, is, you know, because I, I documented the shooting of Ashley Babbitt and then named the shooter as Michael Bird uh, shortly afterwards. So that was the large factor. And that's what it says in the mission statement is that I essentially filmed the shooting in the Capitol, which, of course, they don't say Ashley Babbitt's name. They tend to skirt away from that in any internal document. I wonder why. But uh, and then on top of that, it said I uh, went on Laura Ingram's program, which that was interesting to me that that actually factored in to me being labeled a DT. You'll see it on the document and that it stands for domestic terrorists. It's basically uh, it's the 102 code. So it means I was the highest priority that you can possibly be. Wow. So you were the one that filmed Ashley Babbitt's murder? Yes. Yeah, there was a, uh, a few other people that filmed it. Uh, Jaden X or John Sullivan, as a lot of people know. Uh, you know, the BLM Antifa type, he was also there. He got the left angle, and then I was directly to the right of him. I got the angle where she fell out of the window afterwards, and then the above angle after wow. she was essentially dying on the ground. I did not realize that that was you, dude. Jesus Christ. All right, so they, I mean, they're categorizing you as, like, why would, I mean, I forgive my ignorance here, but why would you going on Laura Ingram? have any <laughs> any bearing on whether or not you're a legitimate journalist i if anything that would add to you appearing to be a legitimate journalist no yeah that i mean that's in my mind that's what i would uh you know that's what i would consider it but apparently they don't uh don't appreciate it very much when you go and tell the truth afterwards about the shooting because you had john sullivan go on anderson cooper directly after he told a completely opposite story about how she was being violent she was breaking windows, doing this and that. And then I went on Laura Ingram and essentially said, no, you know, she was trying to de-escalate. She was trying to help law enforcement throughout the entire process and she was killed for it. 
So I imagine it was the way that I actually worded it on Laura Ingram's show that factored it in because they realized that I wasn't going to tow this kind of clown narrative and cave to the whole insurrection, this insurrection, that. Yeah. So I imagine that's probably why they didn't appreciate it very much. Well, I, that certainly makes sense. Um, it just it's just stunning to me that the, the you know they're so brazen with their attack on First Amendment protections. I mean, free speech and and free press. Uh, free association, free <laughs> right to protest, like which is a lot. A lot of those issues uh, were at the forefront on that that uh, fateful day. Um, did you ever suspect that you were being surveilled while traveling over these years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the air marshals—they're not very sneaky. I knew that I was being followed by air marshals, and that they were on my flight. I just didn't realize there was three of them throughout the process. So how it would go is I would get to the airport. I couldn't check in on my phone or anything like that. I'd have to go up to the desk. And then, you know, they give you that look at the desk when they pull up your profile because it would pull up that document essentially stating that I am a domestic terrorist and a flight risk. And it says on the document that I have violent tendencies. I've resisted arrest, which is, of course, completely fabricated. I've never done any of that. And uh, so at the desk, they kind of back off and they, you know, they give you that look of they're almost intimidated for some reason because that document pops up. That's what they see. So they check you in. It would take I'd have to get to the airport three to four hours early every single time. So it would take about two hours just to me get my just for me to actually get my boarding pass, which would have quad S printed across it. When I did get it, I would go through security. That would take about another hour. They put me through every single security protocol twice. And then they do a uh, bomb swab. Essentially, it's called rapid testing, which you can see that labeled on there. And of course, popped up negative. They're just testing for gunpowder residue, things of the sorts. And then they would actually have a dog walk by and do a whole nother check on you and then you would be monitored all throughout the airport you would have to be in sight of an air marshal or multiple air marshals throughout the entire time if you went into the lavatory uh, before getting on my plane they would try and make me go through security again which is absurd you know i just generate something in the airport that you know it's like i'm you know i snuck something in my butt or something that's what they you know imagine but uh, these air marshals uh they would follow me all throughout this process. They had to know every text I sent, every call, every person that I talked to throughout this entire process. And then I would get to the actual boarding of the plane once it was time to board. And then they would have another rapid uh, testing station set up with TSA doing it. And they would tell everybody on the flight, hey, this is just a random check. And of course, I knew it wasn't a random check. They're doing it because I'm there. So I would get bomb swabbed again before I even got on the plane. So by the time I got on the plane, I would have been bomb swabbed twice and gone through security twice as well. I mean, aside from the fact that this is, you know, unconstitutional, it's also just a tremendous waste of resources. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you're, you're a you're nonviolent is I mean, do you have any record at all? No, no, my record is completely clean. I mean, yeah, no, so. no violent. Yeah, no, no violent tendencies, nothing like that. I don't have a violent bone in my body. So right. they, they put that on there, I would imagine, because the air marshals in the past, this is a part of the Quiet Skies program, which is another DHS monitoring mass surveillance program. And it's worthless, honestly, at this point, because they're just weaponizing against, you know, law abiding citizens and Americans like they usually do. The government's great at that. But yeah, no record of the sorts. But they would put that on the list for what I would imagine is the air marshals that is assigned to following me. So they don't question anything because they've had problems in the past with this quiet skies program where the air marshals are saying, hey, this is a waste of our time. The people that you have us following, they're not terrorists. They're not dangerous. They're just normal, ordinary people. So I imagine that's probably why they labeled me as having violent tendencies and then proceeded to use a mugshot of me from Portland, Oregon, which I have the arrest on video. I was dressed up in black block. 
uh, documenting the riots of 2020 and I was wrongly arrested and then I had to be booked overnight, which the charges were dropped. But because I was reporting undercover, the police didn't know. The minute they arrested me, they're like, hey, you know, we, we realize who you are now, you know, because at that time I was working loosely with Andy No and Elijah Schaefer covering the riots. And they're like, hey, dude, we're you're you're in cuffs in front of all these people. If we release you, they're going to start wondering something's going on. So that's the picture that they used for me which is hilarious. So it's kind of just a trick in my mind to convince these air marshals that are tasked with following me and spending all day, all night following me that this is actually worth their time. So you're, you're both a, uh, you know, alt-right, right-wing domestic terrorist and also a black block Antifa domestic terrorist. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, quite, quite, quite the skill set you got there, brother. Um, all right. Well, I mean, this, this is just, horrifying i mean i you know it's it's weird because like we have so many stories like this that i feel like we just we kind of become apathetic or we're just like well yeah you know this is what this is what we deal with now but it's the new I, normal I would, yeah yeah but it it can't be like it has to not be and and i'm curious like it seems as if this should be criminal it seems as if this should be there should be litigation or even criminal charges that can be brought against these people whoever was responsible for making this call have you looked into that at all? Yeah, so I am looking into that right now. We kind of think that they're just going to hide behind the national security issue and just get it thrown out of court as fast as they possibly can. Because, you know, we know the government at this point can do pretty much anything they want under this administration and get away with it. But the thing is about, you know, the Quiet Skies program, I'm not the only one that this has happened to. There are people on that list that I have seen that they have hundreds of flights that they have been monitored. So, you know, they spent about roughly $100,000 just on the fees that it costs to follow me, not including, you know, the operational costs to plan this, the food costs to cover for these air marshals or the lodging costs. So it was probably well over $150,000 that they spent just on me, but they're doing this to thousands of ordinary Americans. So they're wasting millions, if not hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars. But I am absolutely looking into litigation, but I'm thinking they'll probably just hide behind the national security issue. Yeah. Well, I sure hope not, man. Uh, this, this has to be, this has to be called out and it has to be, I mean, if not litigated, I honestly, I think this is criminal. I like, I yeah. like as much as I would love to see you just get paid millions for them violating your rights. I would really <laughs> like to see these people behind bars. I think what they're doing is the complete antithesis of what this country is supposed to be founded upon. And, you know, even though I don't believe that air marshals really do much in terms of preventing actual terrorism, mm -hmm. if you're going to have air marshals, I would like them actually monitoring people that are on a watch list for a valid reason, even though I don't think that those watch lists are valid and I think that they're, they're totally politically yeah. weaponized, but it's just like, even even from their own justification, their own rationale, their own logic, this is so counterproductive. I mean, what I've, what I've read uh, recently was that essentially all there are no air marshals on any of these flights, mm -hmm. like, like the vast majority of flights in this country anymore, because they're all following J6ers around. Yep. Is that is that your understanding as well? Yeah, that's accurate. I mean, they have, you have to think there was hundreds of thousands of people at January 6th and almost every single person has one of these documents as well. And they are being actively followed by air marshals. So the amount of people that they would need to actually pull this off is insane. So they're not thwarting actual terrorism anymore. They're thwarting grannies that were in the Capitol on January 6th. And it's insane to me. But on top of that, you have illegal migrant flights happening every single day by the thousands. You know, we don't know where these people are going. We don't know where they're from. You have people coming in from special interest countries that aren't even supposed to be allowed across the border and they're being thrown directly on flights. I mean, 
last week I was down in uh, Piedras Negras, Mexico, and on my flight back from Laredo, Texas, the entire airport in Laredo, it was 90%, if not more, illegal migrants being flown. And they had border patrol checkpoints within the airport that they would have these documents. I mean, these people, literally some of them, they have no name on these documents. They have no idea who these people are. They don't do tuberculosis testing, any of the sorts, and they throw them on a plane with you. And, you know, they upgraded me to first class out of nowhere suspiciously after one of my videos went viral bashing American Air in Phoenix for this. And they thought maybe, you know, I wasn't going to record another video, yeah. but I got a, an American Airlines rep saying, hey, yeah, like we fly more illegal immigrants out of this airport daily than we do Americans, which is insane to me. And, you know, I look over to my left and I have in first class with me, I have an illegal migrant from Honduras, uh, Peru, I believe, and then Venezuela, all sitting in first class with me, getting the same treatment as me. And, you know, <laughs> I pulled up to the airport and one's throwing their guts up and then I turn back and that same one is on my plane. So I'm like, OK, you're monitoring me and other Americans that have no security risk, no violent tendencies, no history of any violent tendencies. But you're allowing people that you don't even know. The, the origin countries, they can be lied about where these people come from, their criminal history. I mean, we see it time and time again. You're not following any of these people. You're not monitoring them. You're just sending them into inner cities, sometimes on two to three connecting flights, and they don't even know where they're going. So you're following Americans, spending all these resources when you could actually be potentially thwarting a future terrorist attacks. So it's completely backwards. I don't even recognize the country anymore. Yeah, well, I've seen both your reporting as well as Ashley St. Clair uh, coming out of Arizona. And, you know, I, I got to be honest, even though I'm a libertarian and I'm not like some hard hardline nationalist, I am quite disturbed by the, the trend here that it does appear to be some sort of orchestrated, you know, some people call it an invasion. I don't know if I'd go that far uh, just because I don't know if any of these people or I don't know to what per extent some of these people might be dangerous. Uh, but it, at the same time, you know, given how stringent our legal migration policy is and then how lax our illegal immigration policy is, it does seem as if uh, it's hard to just conclude that this is just, uh, you know, bureaucracy and ignorance and, and you know, the shittiness of the government, but rather yeah. uh, an orchestrated plan. Um, first off, I, I wanted to, well, Go ahead and tell me if you what do you think about this? Like, what do you think that this is just government being bad at what it does? Or is this actually <laughs> an op of some sort? No, I think we've gone past the level of incompetence quite a while ago. This is, you know, clearly an operation of some sort. I mean, they're they're replacing the native population in America for a reason. And, you know, the left will scream and say, you know, that's a it, it's a conspiracy theory. But and then when they talk about it, it's celebrated. So we all know what's going on here. And I mean, you're flying dangerous people and a lot of these people aren't vetted in any shape, form or way. I don't know their plans for all of these illegal immigrants, you know, whether it's just to change the population or if they're going to use them as a future voting block or even a militia at this point. I mean, there's reports of essentially one of my one of my great friends and my cameraman, Juan Mendoza. Uh, he just recently broke a story where uh, Hamas members and uh, Hezbollah are actually flying into Venezuela and they are changing their passports. They're learning fluent Spanish and then they're being issued Venezuelan passports because what you see on in Piedras Negras crossing an Eagle Pass right now is 90% Venezuelans. So they're learning Spanish, getting Venezuelan passports and then coming through the border and essentially forming militia cells. And Maduro and the way DHS is operating right now 
is they are essentially prioritizing the deportation of family units, but then allowing single men to stay in the country. So there's definitely something going on. I don't know if this is, you know, the black swan event that people are trying to predict um, that saying that this is going to happen before the election. But something big is definitely going on. And I think these migrants are going to have something to do with it. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever looked into whether or not these same uh, categorizations for J6ers have been applied to anybody that was responsible during the, the Summer of Love riots? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because the whistleblower that actually released this document to me, that was one of the first things they told me is that not a single person from the BLM, you know, 2020 riots, the summer of love, or, you know, whether it was Antifa, BLM, or any people that actually orchestrated or participated in these events have ended up on one of these watch lists. So they've done it to every single January 6er, but the people that were actually burning down cities, attacking federal police stations, attacking federal buildings, no, they don't get followed, they don't get monitored, not even close. So it's not happening to them. It's obviously, you know, a thing of just political persecution at this point. They're doing it to the right because they can. You know, the left, we, we've said this for a long time, the left knows how to use power, the right doesn't know how to use power. And this is a perfect example of the left weaponizing the, D, uh, the DHS and the DOJ and essentially using it to uh, to further their goals here. Yeah, well, I, I'm not going to lie and say I'm surprised, but still yeah. wow <laughs> you know yeah. like like the fact that none of them but all of the j6 folks it's just it's just incredible uh you know some people might look at congress and say well there's a republican majority over there what the fuck are you guys doing uh what do you say to that uh the uniparty is a beautiful thing that's what i say is you know these yeah. people aren't in office to work for you they've proven it time and time again They'd rather fund foreign wars and then get back-end payments from Ukraine in their offshore accounts. So that's what these people are doing. They don't care about you. They're not elected to represent you. And it's a sad reality. You know, I was hoping that my document, due to me being a reporter, and have I've been a reporter for over three and a half years now, I've broken huge national stories. I figured, hey, maybe this will start a conversation in Congress, but of course not, right? No congressman has reached out to me on behalf of this document being released. So it's very obvious that you know, almost, I would say almost every single congressman is compromised here. You know, whether we have the majority in the House or the Senate, I don't think it's going to make a difference. They're just all interested in funding foreign wars and getting back end payments from them. Well, it sure appears to be the case. I mean, yeah. I know Thomas Massey's a busy guy, but I think he might be one of the only honorable members. And I and I yeah. hope that he will look at this case because, you know, what what's so frustrating to me is that the the Republican voter base, the their constituents where's the outrage from them? And if the outrage is there, then why isn't there some sort of galvanized movement to get action on their behalf? And I mean, unless you're willing to withdraw your support for these absolute traitors, I just don't know why they would ever do your bidding, why they would actually represent you, you know, their, their, their constituent. And it's very frustrating to me that, that it just seems as if you know, conservatives tend to you know, continue to believe that this is a reformable system, but then their own representatives, when they get the majority in the House, they allow for them to be categorized as domestic terrorists and have their lives, you know, thrown into upheaval and surveillance. And it makes, you know, flying nearly impossible. And that's just that's just the reality. And no one cares. I, I haven't heard basically anyone other than independent media cover this story. Has any main you know, corporate media reached out to you mm -hmm. to try and discuss this? 
No, of course not. I mean, and they probably <laughs> won't. I'm not expecting any, you know, mainstream media sources to reach out to this, especially because I work for Tenant Media, which is a direct competitor with these people. So that gives them even a bigger incentive uh, not to have me on their show. The only people that have reached out are people with, you know, like you with great podcasts, people that actually are doing the good work and trying to discuss these issues because mainstream media isn't interested in actually telling the truth. And they've proven that time and time again. Yeah, well, I again, I'm not surprised, but I'm still disappointed. Um, this is absolutely amazing. Did you ever did you ever confront any of the air marshals? Um, no, I never actually confronted one. Um, I had a suspicion that one of them was an air marshal. This is the closest to confronting. Uh, you know, a guy sat next to me on the plane and immediately started asking me about January 6th. So I was like, okay, you know, I was like. You know, I, I gave him some tea on it because, I mean, anything that I've stated or reported on January 6th, I haven't talked about publicly. So, you know, you're not going to get any information out of me that you haven't heard before. I'm not hiding anything. Right. You know, I've been very open about it being a reporter that was on the ground. I would say some of the most open. I've released, you know, almost all my videos and, and kind of exposed, uh, you know, multiple things in regards to January 6th. So, you know, he was sitting next to me on the plane, uh, immediately started discussing January 6th with me. And I was open to it. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm friendly. I'll talk to you about January 6th in my reporting there. And, you know, he was asking me if I, uh, you know, took anything, uh, anything like that, you know, like some of the other people he mentioned, he referenced the Nancy Pelosi laptop going missing. And at that point, I was like, no, dude, like, you know, the worst thing I did was filmed videos. That's that's about all I did on January 6th. I just I talked to people on January 6th. I filmed the videos and uh, that that's the furthest extent that it went to. Well, I. For those that are watching, I just want you guys to know that uh, StreamYard now makes it possible for X or tweets to um, go live here. So I am able to see these. And uh, William says, listening to this makes me scared about my children's future. No shit, William. Uh, well, I, I mean, th this is why <laughs> I cover I'll, this stuff. Yeah, I'll add on to that comment because there's actually a uh, case of a baby being added onto the Quiet Skies program. <laughs> So this is how absurd the DHS oh. and this program has gotten is they're literally labeling babies, throwing them on this quad S list. So you should be scared for your children's future. That's the sad reality of it. But the only people that have the ability to change the way and the trajectory that this is going is American citizens being so loud about it just until the point where they can't ignore it. Yeah. And uh, I think we, we've reached a point of no return, but there is some accountability that can be had. Well, I, uh, I didn't intend to ask you about this, but because I didn't realize that it was your footage of the Ashley Babbitt stuff, uh, would you mind if I ask you a couple questions about it? Yeah, of course. Um, so was there any, could you hear, because uh, from the video I watched, I, I was never able to hear it if, if it happened. Uh, was there any warning from Officer Bird before firing? No, so I was, you know, John Sullivan and I, we were the closest people to Michael Byrd hiding behind that barrier. And that window pane had essentially been completely broken out. There was no verbal warning. People didn't even see him. That's the thing. He was hiding behind that area. And, you know, in, in interviews that he gave to NBC on Lester Holt, his little fluff interview that was all pre-planned by his lawyer, Mark Schimmel, um, he essentially said that the CERT team, which is the tactical team, hadn't arrived yet. So that is what factored into him shooting and killing Ashley Babbitt, which is a complete load of BS considering the CERT team. The whole reason that the officers, the three officers that were at the door shifted over is because one, they didn't think anybody was an immediate threat. And two, the CERT team had just came up the stairs and you see them in the video. They're the ones with the tactical rifles with the tactical gear on. And, you know, they were just kind of shooting the, shooting the crap back and forth with these officers right. 
trying to get a low on the situation. Nobody thought Ashley Babbitt was a threat in that room, but the cert team was in that room. And I would say directly in the line of fire when officer bird stepped out and actually fired that uh, shot that killed Ashley Babbitt, but there was no verbal warning. The only verbal warnings that came were from me, John Sullivan. And because we, we saw the gun, we saw it peek over and we say, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, but you have to understand with how loud that room was, there was over a hundred people packed into that one tiny room. So you couldn't hear from over five feet away, if not even closer. I could barely hear John Sullivan screaming and he was right next to me. So there was no verbal warning. And the thing that, you know, the media of course didn't report on, they wanted to use my videos and they did to complete a, I mean, to paint a completely different narrative, uh, essentially saying Ashley Babbitt was a dangerous terrorist. She was violent. She broke these windows, which none of it's true. The whole time I was the first person that walked up to the door with Ashley Babbitt on January 6th. You know, we offered Officer Yetter and others water, which, interestingly enough, Officer Yetter has now been promoted to an FBI uh, special agent. So and then Michael Byrd, the guy that shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, is now captain. So he was also promoted internally within the company and no verbal warning, nothing like that. So it was I mean, in my mind, you know, still to this day, it's complete murder. There was there's was no verbal warning. She was trying to help the officers. She was yelling at them to call effing help. That is a quote from her over and over again. And Zachary Alam, the man that was responsible for bashing out the windows with the helmet he was handed, he actually goes in to break that last window pane out and actually grabs him by the backpack and punches him in the face. And I broke that story down frame by frame for the American public. And still people are like, oh, no, she's a terrorist. But she grabbed him, punched him. His glasses fell off and then she went through the window and she was an Air Force veteran of 14 years. So you got it. She understands you know, rules of engagement, which were completely violated in this situation. She understands how to stop a crowd from advancing. And she decided to go through that window in my mind, because you don't stop a crowd from advancing in the same room as them. You hit the one cinch point and you can push people out if they try and get through there. And that's exactly what she did. But and then Michael Byrd decided to step forward and murder her. That's interesting. I had never heard that thesis that she may have been getting to the other side of the window so that she could actually just put a hand up yep. and basically keep people out. I mean, the tr the reality is, is that she was unar unarmed, correct? Yeah, she was unarmed. Yeah. I mean, tiny, tiny lady unarmed, uh, mm -hmm. who was also preventing someone who was uh, more violent, who had broken the glass and was trying to get through, had prevented him from going through. Uh, really, really a remarkable story that I feel like just simply does not get enough coverage. And that includes the Fox News of the world. I, I feel like oh, absolutely. it just does not get talked about nearly enough. You have all of these examples of police violence when it comes to, uh, you know, the black community or to any sort of Democrat. Uh, and it's like front page news for years. And I think in some some cases it ought to be. Uh, but then in this case, it's just totally buried. And to have this guy get promoted to captain is, man, is that insult to injury. Um, is there, I mean, my understanding is that like law enforcement is required before using deadly force to give a verbal command, are they not? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's required within the rules of engagement. You have to try and de-escalate. You have to try and give them a verbal warning, which Michael Byrd didn't do any of. And of course, he lies through his teeth and says he did. But there was no verbal warning there. And conveniently, the security footage is gone from that area. They say, oh, no, cameras didn't exist. So you're telling me that the camera that I looked up and saw wasn't there that day. The camera that I've had internal staffers from the Capitol confirm that is there wasn't there that day. So, you know, you have Mike Johnson releasing 
January 6th footage. And granted, yeah, some of that is great footage that he released, but they aren't releasing the full archives for a reason. They've gone into the system internally and scrubbed some of these videos out. And that includes the hallway that Michael Byrd shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. They don't want that footage getting out because it disproves every single thing that he gave on that interview. And to touch on the point of, you know, them, if this, I mean, if Ashley Babbitt was black in this situation, let's be honest, it would be a completely different story. But they withheld the identity of Michael Byrd for as long as they possibly could. And then when I exposed it a month later in February, they still were silent on it. And, you know, I released a whole thread detailing, hey, this is the guy. All I did after that month, I became obsessed with it because I was like, I've never seen the media cover up a national shooting like this in my entire life. Usually, like you said, this would be front page news especially one of the most high profile shootings that the country has ever seen. This is in the United States Capitol. This should be covered everywhere, and but it unarmed, wasn't. It's an unarmed woman. What the, yep. what the fuck is happening to us? We're so divided by identitarian politics that like cops can shoot unarmed women point blank in the neck with no verbal warning. And we're mm -hmm. all to just like accept it because of what her privilege, like what the fuck are we talking about? It's yeah. Well, really, and to, and to really tack on to it, I mean, Michael Byrd raised over a hundred thousand dollars. So after the shooting, he was quite literally rewarded over one hundred thousand dollars for this. And to add on to even insult and injury, you had Adam Kinzinger who was sitting on the board of the January 6th committee, which we all know now, didn't investigate anything. It was a big fluff show. And uh, he actually was donating to Michael Byrd while he was a sitting member of the committee responsible for allegedly investigating what took place on January 6th. So he's donating to the man that shot and killed an unarmed woman in the Capitol while he's supposed to be investigating this. And throughout the, all of the January 6th committee hearings, I don't believe they mentioned Ashley Babbitt's name once. And you see this even on the document that they said that I filmed a shooting in the Capitol. They didn't say Ashley Babbitt's name. Nobody will say her name because they know this is a big no-go zone for them because it was completely unjustified. And, you know, they're running 24-7 to cover the shooting up. Wow. That's crazy that Kinzinger was donating to the dude while on the commission. That's fucking wild. It's completely backwards. Yeah, what a, what a, <laughs> I mean, talk about a conflict of interest, you know, scumbag move. Unbelievable. Well, I, I really appreciate the the insight on that because I've had a lot of these questions and I you know mm -hmm. I had no idea that you had this knowledge that I could actually ask you. So I'm I'm really appreciative of it. Uh, you know, I, is it is it true that that Nick Fuentes has also received the same categorization? Because I've heard his stories, I just don't know if if he's under that same uh, you know watch list. So I'm not entirely sure on his. I do believe he was put temporarily on the no fly list. Um, I believe he is now uh, classified in the quad S category. So the same category I was in, but he has definitely been monitored. I can confirm that he has been monitored to an extent by air marshals and federal government officials. Is there, is there any chance that there could be a class action from everybody who's being dealt with in this fashion? Uh, I mean, it just seems like maybe there'd be strength in numbers, but I'm sure if you guys were to even speak to one another, they'd probably consider it domestic terrorism and, yeah. you know, <laughs> getting to game plan together or whatever. Well, it's funny because in a lot of the January Sixers charging documents, they can't talk to anybody that was there that day. So I think that's one way to try and thwart something like that because you can't even talk to them. Like a lot of January Sixers can't even talk to me, even though I'm a credentialed reporter. I reported on the event. I haven't been criminally charged for anything, but a lot of them can't even talk to me until their probation is up. So I think that is their way to get around it. And, you know, they have within the Quiet Skies program, all of it's private. You know, I was incredibly lucky to be able to get access to my document 
you know, nobody else is probably going to be able to get access to their internal documents like I did because of the whistleblower that I had. But they, there are thousands of these people that are on this. And I think, you know, what would be best for this country is to release every single document, release, show the level of this, I mean, spying program, because that's exactly what it is. And you should, I mean, that would cause an absolute shitstorm. You know, my document in itself, because I'm a reporter, caused a shitstorm on Twitter. But imagine if there was all of a sudden thousands of these internal documents leaked by, a, you know, a patriot within there that's tired of this stuff. I think it would be amazing. I think that's the only way you're going to see a big class action lawsuit. But like I said before, you know, we're looking into filing charges or something against this so we can at least get, you know, reparations for the time that I was harassed and followed by the federal government over and over again. Um, but I think they're going to hide behind the national security issue on this because this administration is just out of control. And, you know, it didn't stop. The monitoring didn't stop in the airport either. You know, I had black cars following me. I had FBI agents following me for wow. two years. You know, it got to the point of where they were scaring my girlfriend so bad. They would follow her in an all blacked out Escalade when she was walking my dogs in the morning. And at that point, you know, I reached out to my attorney and I said, you need to talk to these guys. You need to reach out to the FBI because I'm getting tired of this. And it's a scary thought that if my door is kicked down in the middle of the night, do I even reach for my gun? Because what if it's the FBI or is it an intruder? So I'm kind of in a predicament there. It's like, OK, so now I don't even feel like I can use my Second Amendment rights to defend myself. And on top of that, I'm now listed in the registry. I don't know exactly what it pops up on. But when they do the FBI database check, I can't buy a gun from an FFL dealer. So any weapon that if I want to purchase a weapon, even though I've never been charged of anything, the lowest, the, the highest crime I've ever done is a misdemeanor. I cannot purchase a gun through an FFL dealer, which is absolutely absurd. Jesus, dude, <laughs> this story just keeps getting worse and worse. Do you do you yeah. know? Uh, maybe you said it and I missed it, but do you know what law the what you what you call it the uh, the open skies? Is it open skies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's open skies program. Is the open skies program uh, under the purview of the Patriot Act or or what? Do you know? I'm not entirely sure, honestly. Um, I would imagine it has to do with the Patriot Act just because that's what kind of opened the untapped monitoring of American right. citizens. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I, I can probably reach out to my contact, though, and figure that out just to confirm. Yeah, I think we ought to because, uh, you know, really, the only way you resolve this is to get that those laws off the books. They're, the, to me, they're clearly unconstitutional. They should have been challenged, uh, you know, yeah. to the Supreme Court long ago. But if they're going to be doing this to thousands of people that, especially in your case, a journalist who wasn't even charged with anything, this is beyond the pale, man. Like, this is... This is fucking <laughs> this is East Germany. This is uh, yeah. USSR. This is everything that we read in history books about that that I can't believe is happening here. And it's kind of happening without people really paying attention to it. And I think that that's I mean, this is why I do the show is because I, I want people to be aware. Um, I'm sorry for what you went through. I mean, for what it's worth, it's uh, it's a real tragedy. And I, I'm. I'm impressed that you continue to, to to cover any of this stuff because if I had black cars following me around, I don't know if I would maintain the the will to keep going. Uh, did you ever consider quitting? Um, no, I mean it's never. You know, I'd say at one point in my mind, I considered kind of taking a step back, at least from the January sixth issue for a minute, and I kind of withdrew from you know fully going balls to the wall on January sixth. But that was mainly due just to other obligations within reporting in my personal life. 
but it was never really in my mind to quit just because, I mean, I didn't, I never got into this industry, you know, for the money. Journalists don't make great money, by the way. Um, you know, and Neither it's- Neither do podcasters, I, despite yeah, people calling me I, a grifter understand. all the time. <laughs> but, but no, you know, quitting has never been really in my mind just because I do this because I love it. And mainly I do this because I love my country and I want to be able to document history. There's nothing else that I have a passion for. Same. I have a passion for politics and for telling the truth. And, you know, I, I kind of, I found God uh quite a while ago just because you know at one point i thought i was poisoned and you know that that freaked me out really bad and you know i, I went and got a toxicology screening they had no idea what was in my system you know it came back as inconclusive but they knew something was in my system and i was essentially Whoa. deathly ill for almost a week and a half straight i just felt brittle i was falling apart so that kind of scared you know the fear of god into me and you know i came to christ and then ever since then you know my intentions and the, the direction that I'm going has just gotten stronger because, you know, I've accepted, you know, I'll probably die but before, you know, I'm 23 right now. I'll probably die by the time I'm 35, you know, and I'll probably be black bagged by the CIA or something along those lines. But I fully accepted it. My family's accepted it because I, don't, I refuse to stop regardless of the persecution. And, you know, my mindset on releasing this document was like, OK, you know, they're going to try and probably charge me or raid me for releasing this internal document because that's a big no, no exposing them to this level. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to throw me in a jail cell. You're going to make me more popular. You're going to give me more time with my Bible. Okay, I see that as a win. So if you want to do Based. that, feel free to do that. I've gotten to the point where I just don't care anymore. I'm trying to fight for freedom and for the truth of this country. Well, respect, dude. And, and you know, that's how I feel too. Uh, even though I said I pro if I had black cars following me, I'd probably stop. <laughs> the reality is I probably wouldn't uh, because, like, if I do, then I, I then – forevermore my my progeny my nation my you know liberty on this planet is basically imperiled and and if if the people that actually care about liberty get scared and don't speak out then we're absolutely doomed so uh, i really appreciate that you continue to to fight the good fight and i i hope i really do hope that whatever law allowed for this to happen gets repealed and whoever is responsible yeah. for doing it given that in my humble estimation or not so humble it is clearly unconstitutional and criminal they ought to be serving uh, as much time as the the worst offenders on j6 i think what they've done is absolutely uh you know backbreaking to the foundation of this country and and it is putting fissures in our civilization and these people deserve to be punished so Let's let's hope that happens. Uh, go ahead and tell my audience where they can follow you, and then we will transition to Josie the Redheaded Libertarian. Awesome. Yeah, everybody can find me and my work at Taylor USA on Twitter. That's where I primarily post everything. It's where I break news stories. It's T-A-Y-L-E-R spelled with an E. It's the correct way. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> and you guys can follow at Watch Tenant Now. That is the organization that I report for. They're great. You know, Tim Pool's Culture War is on there. You have some a pretty great lineup there. So that's where you'll see all my exclusive reporting. Love it. Appreciate your time, Taylor. Everybody that enjoyed this interview, please do share it around. This is a really important story that I don't think is getting nearly enough coverage. Uh, hit a comment down below. Hit that like button and uh, subscribe. Enjoy the rest of the show with Miss, wait, wait for it, wait for it, Josie, the redheaded libertarian. For the interview with the demonic pinup calendar herself, Mrs. Josie, the redheaded libertarian. Before we do that, give me 30, 60 seconds. Health insurance is confusing, expensive, and frustrating, and claim denials are becoming more and more common. In fact, one in five Obamacare claims were denied last year. That's just simply unacceptable. 
The headache of health insurance is exactly why CrowdHealth was created. It's not health insurance. It's a better way to pay for health care through crowdfunding. So stop sending money to big insurance companies who profit off of not paying your bills and check out CrowdHealth. The insurance process can be confusing as hell. And that's exactly why CrowdHealth exists. For $175 for an individual or $575 for a family of four or more, you'll get access to a community of people who are willing to help out in the event of an emergency. You'll get access to telemedicine visits, discounted prescriptions, and so much more without doctors networks getting in the way. And of course, you'll join the crowd, a group of members just like you who want to help pay for each other's unexpected medical events. Let CrowdHealth help with your healthcare needs. Get started today for just $99 per month for your first three months by using code LOCKDOWN to joincrowdhealth.com. Again, that's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. CrowdHealth is not insurance. Learn more at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, code LOCKDOWN. Enjoy the rest of the show. It's Clint Russell. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today, we are going to be covering the, the main ballot removal or trump removal from the ballot i should say and we are joined by the nephilim queen the the uh what, what the, the demonic calendar-esque uh <laughs> miss josie the redhead libertarian how you doing good how are you i'm good i'm good um so yeah it, let's let's before we get into the online drama nonsense let's talk about what actually matters which is the uh you know the front runner for the presidency the by by far not even close and he has been removed by diktat by the uh, secretary of state of maine you are the the constitutional scholar are you not lay, yeah. lay it out how, how are they doing this josie oh they're doing this based on uh states rights however they don't have this right because this right is laid out in the constitution already so what they're doing, they're violating the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment and the 14th Amendment. Yes, that 14th Amendment, that same 14th Amendment that they're using to say he did an insurrection also has um, a clause that says that you have a due process when it comes to all of this. And that also says that due process is left to Congress. So this is, um, so they use the third, the third clause of 14 and the due process clause, I believe, is the fourth and the um, leave it to the Congress clause is the fifth. So they're violating both of those clauses while they're doing it. Also, obviously, the due process as an American citizen, um, because he has the right to run for president under the Ninth Amendment. So they're violating that as well. And they're also violating, you know, every single entitlement he has when it comes to the Sixth Amendment. There are eight of them. So Jesus. they're violating, like, just everything in the Constitution to say we have the right to do this as a state, but they don't because of the supremacy clause that says you don't have this. Interesting. Well, mm -hmm. and it, my understanding is that, or their claim rather, is that you do not have to be found guilty of an insurrection. You just have to have participated in one, which I find fascinating that there would be any sort of uh, capacity to remove someone from the ballot just based off of a charge that has never been brought in a court of law. Because. Uh, okay. So it's. So it's. It, okay. So, so if you're going to remove somebody's right, which I said, he has a right as an American citizen who's over 35 years old uh, to run for president. That's that's a natural right he has. If you're going to take away somebody's right, like in the way you would put them in a prison, you take away their rights. If you're going to take away somebody's right. You need you need due process to take away their rights. 
Right. And they didn't do any of that. You can't just say, oh, no, you, you, you participated in this. Therefore, I'm going to take away your rights. And a secretary of state did that, not a judge. You know, so and then when it came to Colorado, it was the whole Supreme Court did that because, well, not the whole, sorry, there were four out of seven that did that. But that's also going to be overturned. And I have theories on why they're doing this. It's because they want the Supreme Court to either A, get involved, and if they get involved, then this means that they're, uh, that, that they can say, okay, look at, this is, these are Trump judges, now we have to pack the court to make it even. Yeah. Um, so that's one. And two is that they might be relying on the Supreme Court's precedent that they don't like to get involved when it comes to states deciding their own elections. So, so there's two different ways that they're looking at this. They're just um, playing their cards at, at this point. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. It's, uh, you know, pressure from above, pressure from below, as as Sam Tripoli is fond of saying, and it does appear that that's the deal. Like they're going to, like whatever whatever the the pressure that they're applying here, it's actually to, it's a couple steps down the road is the actual game plan, and I think that packing the Supreme Court is very likely that. Uh, is there anything that can stop that? Uh, the Supreme Court can stop packing the court. Yeah. That would be down to um, Congress. Congress can decide whether or not to pack the court. But uh, the Supreme Court, they could try to stop that using the, um, uh, the the separation of powers. There's supposed to always be a struggle between the powers, between you know the Congress fighting with the Supreme Court and the executive and the Supreme Court fighting with, there's always just supposed to be this, this, this poll, this, this frame. So they could, they could argue something against that and say, no, you can't do this. This is unconstitutional. Or they could, they could argue for it and then rule on it, which, which would be the best case. Otherwise, um, past president shows that they can add judges. Um, though last time they tried to was, uh, for FDR when he wanted to, um, push through his, his new deal. And it was unconstitutional, so he threatened to pack the court. Oh, yeah. and he also wanted to, I think, run for a third term. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, let's let's uh, run a clip from the lady who made this call. Very detailed decision. Uh, we lay out uh, why, under Maine law, the Secretary of State has the authority, indeed, the obligation. I'm duty bound to make this determination. Uh, we also, I rather. Um, laid out that the record demonstrates that, in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So, yeah, she has decided, in, in the backdrop, for those that are only listening, you can find pictures of her smiling <laughs> ear to ear with both President Obama and President Biden. And, uh, yeah, this lady is quite clearly a political actor. What's hilarious about it is that she there's some other photos of her jogging and it, it on the on the t-shirt it says like democracy defender um and i think that it's never been more clear that to them democracy or our democracy is is about exclusion it is about excluding anybody with a political uh, belief system that is outside of the progressive worldview i just i just don't know how you re recover from having so many political operatives that are in these positions of power that all across the 50 states, you've got, you've got probably half a dozen or more, uh, probably more of these types of folks that are in these positions that are all trying, like the, the, not only are they trying to make their name in the progressive, you know, media pundit landscape, but they're also, if they, if they're successful, I'm sure all of these people expect that they will be 
uh, you know, elevated to the next rung of power because they they're good little foot foot soldiers for the regime. Uh, just any thoughts? Um, I've always argued for states' rights. I knew that as soon as they captured the federal government, it was going to be a top down with a bottom up approach on how to on how to capture everybody else. So it's the walls are closing in everywhere. Um, so like, that's always my argument is that it's, you're going to have to get to a state. I could see a civil war between states happening sometime, um, in the next, in, in the next 20 years for sure, but get to a state that represents your values. Absolutely. Because there's, there's, uh, bad actors that are everywhere and, uh, they're going to come for you. They're going to come for your kids. Yeah. Well, they already <laughs> have been, but uh, I think that if you, if you no longer have options at the presidential level, uh, we are in serious trouble and, <laughs> I'll, I'll pull this up real quick, uh, just to transition us briefly into the uh, the the insanity. Um, <laughs> we got Top Lops's new design, Josie's homemade pies. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so you did a a calendar shoot for. Well, go ahead and I'd, I'd like to hear your summation of what's transpired here. Sure. So uh, I'll start from the beginning. How's that? Sure. All right, so I was invited uh, by Seth, Weather, Seth Weathers, who is a conservative dad, the CEO, and they have the, um, the ultra-right beer, this company. And this beer kind of came out and to kind of contrast the whole Bud Light thing, right? So they made this beer like, well, you know, we're not going to have any woke beer. We're going to have, we're gonna have uh, this, this right beer. And then on the can, it says things like, you know, exercise, eat healthy, um, drink a little. It doesn't like encourage drinking. He's the only um, CEO of a beer company that says don't drink too much. Uh, you know, so that's that's crazy. But he came out. He asked uh, about. Uh, he said he was going to do this calendar, and this was in contrast to Dylan Mulvaney, who modeled and, um, you know, in a bathtub with beer cans. He's going to do this this calendar, and uh, he wanted me to do it. He was going to ask nine other women to do it, and I said, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. I was given the option to model in a, in a swimsuit, which I declined because that's not my brand. That's not for me. That's not what I do. Um, the women who did it were beautiful and they tasteful and. Uh, well, they and and they, and it was also Riley Gaines who's known for being a swimmer. So He's it's like. Yeah. So Riley Gaines, who is a swimmer, modeled in a swimsuit. I am. I'm an award-winning pie baker. I modeled with a pie. I mean, this just seems so harmless to me at all, but. So anyway, calendar comes out. I actually don't share my picture for the first couple weeks of this calendar when it comes out. Um, people were asking why there was such a delayed reaction. That's That might be part of it. <laughs> I, I took a couple weeks before I shared my picture. Um, and so then I, the way I shared it, it was, uh, it was Christmas Eve and I shared a, me opening the calendar to my page. And I had like um, sleigh bells playing and, and you know, cause it's Christmas Eve and it was festive. Um, and I was just fun and having fun. Uh, so anyway, like I, whatever, go to bed, you know, move on with my life. It's just a, just a tweet. I don't really think about it a lot after that. Wake up the next day to just a firestorm. And it's, uh, this, this guy, I'm not going to actually say his name cause I don't want to give him any more attention, but Fair he's the, this failed rapper who didn't open for Trump. Trump didn't want to open for him. I don't, I don't really know the story behind that, but for, ends former, up former guest of the show, uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to figure it out. Yes. So anyway, he, uh, he called, he called, uh, you know, I'm opening it up and he writes, this is demonic and sends it out. Okay. And I'm like, what? So it comes down to my calendar 
I, I'm, I'm Catholic. I've my whole life born Catholic, baptized, you know, went through all the sacraments and I go to church and I've got, I've got a crucifix on my wall and I've got them in every room of my home because that's how I was raised to have a crucifix in every room of your home. Um, and I, I didn't think twice about it, but my crucifix was in my picture because it was my kitchen and I'm cooking a pie in a sundress in my kitchen. Didn't cross my mind like at all that anybody could read into that as anything other than the fact that I'm Catholic. Uh, so, so anyway, there a firestorm just erupts, and I mean this it just spread like wildfire. Um, and it was mostly, I gotta say, like being on the receiving end of most of it, it was mostly good, good feedback from people saying this is stupid that people are so worked up about this. So the they kept moving the goalposts because it didn't get a lot of good response calling my picture demonic for being in a sundress in my kitchen with a cross on my wall. So then they were saying, well, it's the fact that it's adjacent to the other pictures that makes it bad. But then they go back to saying, no, you were uh, you were doing softcore porn, you know, so so nobody could really figure out what was making them mad. It, it was everybody with different things about what was making them mad. But a lot of it was centered around just just me being Catholic and having a crucifix. And so, you know, it's like, should I have like I, I didn't cross my mind to even have thought to take it down because it's it's my home. Seth right. didn't ask me to take it down because it's my home. It wasn't even on our radar to ask to take it down because it's just a fixture in my home, you know, like right. like anything it, it, else. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, put it wasn't like a I had a big. It, exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't a prop. It was. It's my home. Uh, so it wasn't like I had a big like, you know, picture of like pornography on my wall. They were like, yeah, we should probably take that down. It was. It was. It was Christ on the wall on the crucifix. So there's just, there was nothing. It wasn't even a blip on a radar that well, anybody could have thought anything about to, it. To steel men, their side, their, their claim is that you should not be presenting anything that's, you know, temptation that is being, uh, you know, adjacent to God, I guess, yes. um, which, you know, that's, oh, that's I, their, that's their take. So what, what, what do you say to that? Well, I heard this from a few different women, um, you know, who were lecturing me on modesty, and they were wearing rosaries or not rosaries, crosses around their necks, right into their cleavage while they were yelling at me about modesty um, and, and Christ. So, uh, and then another one, skin tight, skin tight, looks like it could have been painted on her with again, wearing a cross. So um, these are women I believe were just jealous that, that they weren't asked to be in this, this calendar. You know, I'm sure they would have thrown themselves at it had they been asked. They wouldn't have even thought twice about it. They'd be like, oh yeah, of course I'm gonna do that. You know, cause I see their Instagrams. So, um, so yeah, it's all very dishonest. It's all uh, very preachy. It's all judgy. It's all the worst parts of Christianity that are coming out, um, and yeah. mixed with Islam. Yeah, it's disappointing, man. Yeah. I uh, it it certainly served as I, you know when I posted about it, it was in day three. We're now in day seven, I think. Of of the of, yes. By the way, I think I dubbed it Calendar Gate. I was the first one to. I think Were I was. The first, I think I was the first one to actually tweet that. So oh, wow. just saying, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, was but, it, I, I didn't know what to call it. I was calling it pie gate for a while. Um, pie harem. I just, yeah, yeah calendar gate. It's taken <laughs> off. Well, I hope, I hope Seth appreciates the branding that I, I offered because it has moved. Uh, look, this is the thing that's so bizarre to me. There is, I don't know hardly anybody that buys physical calendars. I think I might be the last one because I use it for scheduling on my show because mm -hmm. I like to just have a physical one. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't know how many people use physical calendars anymore or, or buy 
anything like this, uh, you know, a pinup calendar, uh, but it, it has to have way outperformed what they ever expected, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. And now they're making, you know, more merch off it. Like my apron is for sale now. <laughs> like that was just something he made just for me to just for me to do the photo shoot. That's it. Yeah. And now it's it's up on on there and I'm advertising it. You got a picture of me up there with my calendar picture with the, the apron. Well, so. and, and Top Top Lobster is creating new merch off of it. I mean, it's basically becoming a, uh, a permanent fixture of our of our community. By the way, if you do go to the website, what's the website offhand? Is it conservativedad.com? I don't want to give it the wrong one. I don't even have it written down. But That's what it is. promo code is demonic. <laughs> promo code demonic, and you can get my apron. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, it, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just slow news cycle that we would have seven days of this. Um, but I really do think that, you know, this is actually what James Lindsay has been talking a lot about is this this Christian nationalism that is attempting to, I guess, replace the more secular variation of the conservative movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a member of either community, so I, I don't much care. But in in the terms of or in terms of like the fact that I live here and I don't want to live under a Christian nationalist framework. I want to live under a constitutional republic, which I thought the I thought most Republicans, uh, you know, that or at least the good Republicans, that's what they wanted too. And it seems like this is now yet another, uh, you know, div division tactic. And I look, I, I get it. I understand that if you if you've looked around and you've seen your community and your culture rotting from underneath you, and you see your kids coming home with gender dysphoria and all sorts of stuff. I understand why you would be like, no, we're not, we're not just going back to, you know, classical liberalism, constitutional Republic. No, we're going all the way to Christian nationalism. I don't know if they, some of them probably want a, a monarch or something. Uh, where, how do you think this all shakes out? Uh, I think that we're, we're so divided right now. I, and this is like, I, I'm pretty good at kind of predicting things by kind of reading the room. I didn't see this coming. I, I didn't see this, this, coming at all. I actually, I looked back at my tweets and I think it was December 4th or December 7th. I actually asked about Christian nationalism. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't really know. I don't really understand this, but have the Christian nationalists done something to, to demonize them? Because I, I don't know. I just, I don't want to be the next person to be like, you know, bad because you're religious and you're crossing with whatever. So I actually asked about it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm like, have they done something? And then this happens. This happens just a few weeks later. And I'm like, mm. oh, this is what this is what this is about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't see a way. What, what I like about Calendar Gate is that it exposed Chris like the, the the devious parts of Christian nationalism and it turned a lot of people off yeah. to what it was because it was so harmless. I think if the Christian nationalists initially came for Peyton Drew or um, one of the girls who were pretty in a bikini, then I, I think that it could have had more legs to it, I guess. Right. And they but tried it came to for do you. That. <laughs> yeah, it came for me. Um, and they did try, they did try. Uh, so there's a Newsweek article on this that doesn't mention me at all, even though the whole story centered around my picture in the calendar. They wanted to frame it as uh, conservatives posting a slutty calendar. So they didn't share any picture that wasn't a bathing suit. They, they uh. didn't know how they did that. But then they used all the tweets that were directed at me towards these girls. So um, right. I thought that that was really dishonest journalism, Newsweek. 
I'm, I'm uh, stunned. So, I'm stunned that a journalist would be dishonest. I can't believe yeah, it. It was a woman. Well, even worse. I would never. <laughs> I would. I would never assume a woman might lie. Uh, a, a woman journalist, God forbid, uh, much less a woman secretary of state in Maine. Yeah, they would never. Uh, but look, this is it's so it's so like stunning that that this is this is the divide. And I think what's fascinating to me is that you know libertarians are guilty of this. Usually, we're usually the ones that are gatekeeping ourselves into oblivion, and and we're oh, you have difference of opinion on abortion or the immigration issues, you're not a libertarian. Uh, like that's, that's normally how we treat one another. I hadn't really seen this to this scale when it came to the GOP. The GOP to me has been a fairly broad tent and they, they don't really infight. But what it does strike me is that this is kind of the influence of the kind of progressive left. It's uh, uh, purity testing to the hilt and, and, you know, canceling publicly anybody who does not abide. Is that, do you see any correlation with that? Yeah, I uh, can you hear me okay? I'm in a hotel and the fan just kicked on. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't experience being canceled at all. Uh, I didn't lose any followers. Nobody messaged me and said I can't follow you anymore. Like I, I mean, if they down. did, if they yeah. did, I, I would have been blown away. I'm like, this is yeah. the most benign photo ever. But yes, you know. um, I was more worried that it was going to get annoying. So that was, that was I, so. I actually tried to shut it down on day three. I was like, "We're closing this down." I'm like, I'm going to shut this down because I, you know, you guys deserve a news cycle that is more than just calendar gate because there are very important things going on in the world. Things I talk about all the time, you know. And then on top of my history, like I, I was able to hop on on the 26th and write a whole thread about uh, Washington crossing the Delaware and slaying the Hessian army in their sleep. Thank God, because. I, I was losing it at that point because it's so superficial to me to be in this position. It's not who I am. It's I'm I'm a, I'm a deep person, you know. Like and I'm and I'm about the culture war and I'm about history and I'm about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and I'm dealing with this people yelling at me about not being modest in my own home because I I'm, I'm religious, you know. So it was it was just the most bizarre bizarre experience of my life honestly but i didn't experience any backlash from it um at all i i everything was really good i gained a lot of followers i uh <laughs> i mean it, it well oh let me get back to that so i said i was going to shut it down you know three uh three days in and then uh it started kind of winding down which is good i'm like this is good you know i'm following my i'm following my uh um my analytics and it's showing that Things are calming down. I'm like, all right, good. I was able to shut this down. But then Jenna Ellis jumps in. Jenna Ellis jumps into this, and it just firestorms right back up again. And I'm like, all right, because I got, I got, I got to drag her. I got to shut her down. She's a terrible person. So, uh, well, for those that aren't familiar, who is who is that? Jenna Ellis was Trump's lawyer, and she was one of the ones in Georgia that got um, that that got in trouble. Which I actually thought was really, really like unconstitutional. I defended her for that. That they were trying. To so did I. Absolutely. I mean, they, they were trying to prosecute his entire legal team. Of course, we would defend that. Yeah. So, um, so I defended that. That was that was ridiculous, and I defended her like tooth and nail. Uh, so anyway, she she ended up doing this like GoFundMe, raising a bunch of money, saying I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight this guy. And she's a lawyer, so we're like believing her and stuff. And people gave her a lot of money to help for her fight, and she just caved. She yeah. read like I'm so sorry. Like I like just this. This letter, she cried. 
Yeah, about she took how a, took a plea deal. Took a plea deal, yeah. And so on one end, um, at, at the time when she took the plea deal, I'm like, okay, is there anybody in this world I love enough for to go to jail for 20 years? My children, period. And I'm like, okay, so I understand. But you know what? Be honest about it. It makes you human. Say, I don't love this guy enough to go to jail for 20 years. I don't love him enough. Sorry, I'm going to take a plea deal. Just be honest about it. That's yeah. it. That's all that. That's all she needed to do. And she wasn't, you know, so instead she was like, oh, you know, it just was the right thing to do. Yeah. Like, oh, spare me that. So after well, that, she had just I, lost. I mean, if it, if it is the right thing to do, you have to explain the, that shift because yeah. you're in his team, you're working to defend him. And now the heat gets turned up on you. And now it's the right, you've, you've committed some sort of, you know, wrong. Uh, if you're taking a plea deal, you're acknowledging wrongdoing of some sort. So, uh, you know, what changed? And I think that the answer is most likely that nothing changed, that she was essentially coerced. But, you know, then to turn around and, and espouse some sort of, you know, holier than now Christian value set and, and some sort of Christian superiority uh, on top of that, because that's really what she's doing. Uh, yes. She's claiming that you're not being modest. And, and she even described the calendar as, uh, I mean, pornographic, as softcore porn, a uh, whole bunch of descriptions that simply don't apply. Yes. So what she did, she, you know, took my, my picture and described it like as, because uh, she, she shared a book. She's like this softcore porn, you know, if you want to understand what's going on, read this book. And I'm like, and I responded, and I'm like, actually, it's a demonic calendar and we rock it, you know, because it's funny. We've all been using that term demonic to drag that guy. Mm -hmm. um, so, so she responds to that. She's like, wow, now you're just doing this for shock value. And I'm like, uh, like, nothing's shocking at all about this video and, and, or about this clip, this photo. And, you know, she just kept going. And so I found a picture on her IG where she was dressed exactly the same dress as me, only pink, exactly the same one. And I was just like, spare me your righteous indignation. I'm like, I'm wearing more layers than you in this, you know, you're dressed exactly like me. And she was trying to like, cause you have an apron on. I have an apron on exactly. And so, you know, she was, she was doing that kind of like, I know I don't really look good pose and I'm standing there posing my pie, but she was doing, um, she, she tried to turn it around. Like I was just having fun and you were like, it was different. I'm like, no, I'm like, you were in public. You were dressed like that in public, you know? So she tried to double down. She tried to defend it. And she did that for a while about that picture. She was, she was caught in her double standard and didn't know how to, how to walk it back. Um, so I, uh, I asked her to calm down twice last night, and then I, uh, I just disengaged her. <laughs> I'm not sure if she calmed down or not. Well, there's other, there's did other photos. There's other photos. No, it did not work. <laughs> um, it never does. There's other photos of her in a bathing suit that are laying out by the pool, and they're posted publicly. It's like, look, I, I just think that this is, this is what shows how fraudulent all this is. Is that almost every single woman has taken a photo like that at some mm -hmm. point, and and yours being. I mean, literally, it could have been. I could have dubbed it "ankle gate" <laughs> if I if I wanted to be more cheeky. I love that my boss, Tim Cast. By the way, everybody go subscribe over to timcast.com. Yep. Um, he uh, it twice, and he goes, "The first thing he's like, dear God, Josie, cover up your ankles." Yes, exactly. I mean, because time, yeah, yeah, and the second time he's like shared the same exact one. It was a side by side of me and uh, me and Jenna, and he goes, "Who do I get my my morals from?" He's like. The I don't remember what he called her. What did he call her? The the traitor, the something, I don't know, whatever she did. Um, or, you know, the libertarian Catholic baking a pie with her legs showing. <laughs> like, who do I who do I get this from? 
Um, it's also ridiculous, man. I, I, I cannot believe that this has transpired or that it's persisted like this. I thought maybe it'd be a day news cycle, especially given what we're dealing with. I mean, we are dealing with just absolutely civilizational wide issues, <laughs> like systemic major, major issues, economically, culturally, uh, you know, just civil civilizationally, legitimately, and, mm -hmm. and somehow a physical calendar became this controversy but it's not just you Ashley St. Clair has they've been digging up old tweets of hers and old video clips of hers when she was a, basically a kid um, and trying to you know ruin her or paint her as some sort of hypocrite uh, I think it's all of the heat that I've seen so far for the most part has been ta targeted at you and Ashley uh, you know your Oh yeah, a little bit of Riley too, and and I, I'm sure it's trickled down. But I'm just saying, in terms of scale, it has been. That's what I've seen the most of. Uh, do you think that why why has it been you two? Because like at least with with her photos, she she reenacted the Dylan Mulvaney, uh, you know, Bud Light in the bathtub one. So mm -hmm. I can understand why people would say, okay, that's inappropriate. But if you understand the reason that they did it that way, then it makes perfect sense. Yours is so benign, I don't know how it could possibly be an issue other than the fact that there's a cross on the wall, but it's your kitchen, so who gives a shit? I don't know. It's all crazy to me. Uh, why Why do you think the, the, the aim has been focused in different places that you would not expect? A lot of us, or maybe half of us in the calendar, have pretty large followings. Um, I have a large one. Uh, Dana's got a large one. Ashley does. Uh, Kim Glasick's got a large following. Riley. Um they did come mostly for the women with the larger followings. Uh, they didn't really come for um, Peyton. They did share a picture a lot, but never came for her directly. And she would have what I, what I would say is the most risque of all the pictures. Sure. Um, I think she's beautiful in it. Um, so that's not me judging. That's just me kind of looking at it from their perspective. But they would use her picture, but they'd never name her. Um, so so um, I, I think that a lot of it had to do with, fire, with follower accounts. And Ashley and I are well-loved. You know, yeah. and and that that can have a lot to do with it too. If you see somebody, it's it's easier to believe the bad things about people than it is to believe the good things about them. And when you take two women who are funny and charismatic and just very very well liked within the spheres that you're in, and you, especially if you're a woman or if you're a man who is not getting the attention that you believe you should, you are entitled to, but you're seeing women get it and maybe you have issues with that. You know, there is a level of misogyny here and I hate using that word, but it's real and it exists even though it doesn't exist in the way that the left tends to use it. Um, but there is like this guy, I'm not gonna say his name again, and when he came at me and he came at me with things like you're being emotional, you know, you're, uh, you need you need to like relax while, while gaslighting me about, about things. Um, so there, there's a level of misogyny that went into this. Yeah, his his claim was that it was not targeted at you as much as it was ju the juxtaposition of the, the front page, which is Riley in the bathing suit, and then you with the cross. And it was not yeah. about your pose or your or anything to do with you, but just the fact that there's a cross anywhere in the calendar. Uh, also, the fact that it was called conservative's dad, or <laughs> conservative dads, rather, with apostrophe. So, you know, singular possessive. You've uh, given grammar lessons to about a million people over the past week. I grammar lessons to people that I respected. <laughs> I, this is like, I am appalled by this. This is very basic. Okay. So when an apostrophe precedes an S, it makes it singular possessive it means like this is Clint's podcast, right? 
if if uh, I were advertising my spaces show to Clint, I would say this is for Clint's everywhere, and there would be no no apostrophe. And this is just something very basic. This is you know I would look at that and say, okay, this is the English language. Like I would never have even thought. It would be tar somebody could even that can cross somebody's mind like this. We've taken this very specific branch of the conservatives and we're going to market this calendar toward them that it couldn't just be one man's brand. It right. was just so bizarre. Yeah. Well, and for so people understand it's conservative dads. Uh, is it beer or what? what what's, what's conservative the dads, uh, ultra right beer or conservative right. dads. Uh, calendar most beautiful conservative women in America, whatever he called it, um, conservative dads with an apostrophe s. Right. So, so the brand is conservative dad. Yeah. Conser okay. He is conservative dad, and this is conservative dad's brand. Yep. Got it. Seth okay. conservative dad. Yeah. Well, look, I hope Seth uh, tripled whatever you were paid for that shoot because I'm sure it wasn't a ton of money, but you absolutely <laughs> outperformed <laughs> and outdelivered, and I hope that. Uh, that Tim gives you a raise and every, everybody everybody involved in this, including the people that dragged you, they ought to be uh, at, at least giving you a portion of the revenue. I've actually revenue. asked them specifically, I, I put that out there, I said, okay, you all have extra money because of me. I'm like, donate my portion to St. Jude's. That's a very important charity to me. Um, they're, they're, I, my daughter has a condition, CRMO, uh, chronic right. recurrent multifocal osteomyelitis. She's in remission from it right now, but they are the only place that researches how to fix it, how to cure it. So yeah. you don't have money there and you can even put it toward research for CRMO. Um, well, there's also, also a portion of the calendar sales itself are going to charity too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that portion goes to Riley Gaines charity, which helps keep men out of women's sports. Um, she's working right. that. So, so a bunch, a bunch of conservative values that are being pushed here or at least uh you know benefited from this process so just more reason that this was all absurd and ridiculous um but i i, I hope that the uh the firestorm I, honestly i don't see how the firestorm could have been a negative for you it, it was a controversy that um, you know managed to bring in thousands of more followers to you and and thousands of more people that are thinking more seriously about what they want the future of this country to be? Do they want this to be some hard, like basically women in burqas type of, you know, version of Christian nationalism, or do they want to go back to a classical liberalism where you get to kind of live and let live? We'll see. I, I don't know, but at least it allows people to think about it. I agree with that. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you so much for joining me, Josie. Uh, I got to go do the, the best political show over on All One Word, We Are Change, over on Rumble. I'm going to go do that in about an hour. But uh, you can find her jo uh, spaces with Josie. Obviously, I've, I've done them with her a whole bunch of times. Uh, she does great interviews over there. Uh, go ahead and tell my audience about some of the guests you've had. Okay, cool. I've had on uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. I've had him on twice. I've had on uh, Congressman Massey. Uh, I've had on Jake Shields, uh, Scott Adams, Dave Smith. Um, Malice. What? Michael Malice, right? Malice is, has been on with me uh, kind of uh, through a different sort of variant of spaces. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. Uh, Alex Stein. Uh, just I've had on so many cool people. Lauren Southern. Um, I've got really cool ones coming up. I haven't I haven't set my schedule for January yet, but I've got a list of them that are all uh, on deck. So uh, it's going to be a really wild, wild January. I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, speaking of Vivek. There might be some news dropping here soon, but we'll uh, we'll we'll hold off on that. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can follow you, and we'll get out of here. 
or you can follow me at trhl official on x and you can go over to timcast.com and become a member and help support our work and when you do that you get to see my spaces with josie episode video side so that's a uh, that's fun all my reactions to my spaces so and then uh, on top of that, go to conservativedad.com if you want to pick up the silly calendar. <laughs> go pick up the calendar. <laughs> if you're the type that likes physical calendars, uh, yeah, shout, shout out to Seth. I'm sure he's thrilled with all of this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that you, I, I love the way you handled it because it, it was very humorous. I mean, your, your digs at people are really brilliant. You've been doing this for, for too many years for people to come at you sideways, especially over a benign photo shoot like that. So they they all made a huge mistake and I think that all, <laughs> they suffered terribly. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that you certainly were victorious throughout uh, what I would consider a, a, cons a controversy over nothing. And uh, you know, I appreciate you making my timeline entertaining for a week. <laughs> Thank you. I think that everybody really needed to laugh. Right? That, that's my thoughts on it. We, yeah. we are so everything sucks I, we always we people were saying oh i don't want to see any more of it but you know i i think that it, it was nice to laugh for a while well, just it was during the holidays you know we didn't have anything to do so <laughs> give us give us something to give us something to laugh about exactly. all right we're out of here folks uh make sure you hit the like button leave a comment and uh, subscribe peace welcome to liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone